Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me on Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. I want you to stay really tuned to this show because you are going to be so enlightened by everything that we're going to talk about today because it's not one of those well-talked-about or well-written-about topics, and that is breastfeeding after bariatric surgery. Fortunately for me, I have with me clinical expert and registered dietitian, Julie Stefanski. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Julie, I have been absolutely blown away by the fact that I found, oh, I don't know, 25 or 30 articles maybe about getting pregnant and pregnancy issues post-bariatric surgery, but very, very little about uh, breastfeeding during, uh, or should I say, after having bariatric surgery. So having your clinical expertise here is just phenomenal. Uh, I'm a real believer that when there is no research and no evidence, we really do depend on experts like you to give us some good insights. Now, Julie, it seems to me that the statistics are telling us that there are higher and higher rates of obesity in the United States. Seems like You know, we're all overeating, I say, as I'm sitting here a little little overweight myself, you know. Uh, Would you say, and I don't know if there's any actual statistics out there, but from the standpoint of being in the clinical arena, would you say that you see your fair share of overweight or obese women of childbearing age? Yes. I mean, like you said, all of us are struggling with this for a lot of reasons, but they consider out of childbearing age women, um, the 18 to age 40 um, area, that 30% of women are considered obese. So you really have a high number of women struggling with that. And, you know, there's a lot of effects that can happen during pregnancy if a woman is obese or morbidly obese when they become pregnant. Yeah, I I think that begs the question, have you seen those who are obese and have difficulty getting pregnant? I think that's one of the common, um, you know, common struggles that women, um, you know, have to deal with because the, you know, just even when you look at diabetes, when you look at gestational diabetes, but in conceiving, often excess weight can interfere with the production of hormones to... um, you know, have a healthy pregnancy to get pregnant. And so sometimes bariatric surgery is recommended to women um, in order for them to become fertile and be able to um, conceive. They've actually found that women that are morbidly obese that have bariatric surgery often have lesser complications just in terms of C-sections, gestational Mm, diabetes. mm. There's a lot of benefits they've shown for women if they do have the surgery in just the actual birth process um, that they may have less complications. I don't think I'll ever forget working a postpartum floor, and I was in charge one night. A woman who weighed more than 400 pounds pre-pregnant weight uh, had to get up 
post-cesarean section. And I remember just thinking, oh, my word, how am I ever going to get her up? And how horrible this must be for her. And, you know, really, so it's not hard for me to believe that having bariatric surgery rather than being a bad thing could actually be a good thing. But, Julie, certainly... And, and I don't really know much about nutrition, just what I've learned from being a nurse. But it's my understanding that if you are nutrient deficient when you are pre-pregnant or when you are pregnant, that that absolutely spills over onto your nutritional status and possibly the baby's nutritional status in breastfeeding. So yes, could, you address, could you address that a little bit? Well, when you look at... Um, As you said, a lot of this is a guessing game because we have this situation where women now have had weight loss surgery of different types and they've had a healthy pregnancy and now they're deciding whether they can make good quality milk for their baby or not. And and certainly when you look at the fact that some nutrients um, are not present as much in breast milk because the baby is supposed to store those up while they're, you know, um, in Mm. mom. And Mm. so... Uh, Many of the different nutrients, especially vitamin D, vitamin B12, um, the baby, if the mother doesn't have good nutrition during the pregnancy because she's losing weight, she's not taking her dietary supplements, the baby may come out with stores of nutrients that are less than ideal. And they may actually affect their health because breast milk is designed to supplement what the baby may have stored. And if they don't have that, the breast milk is really not going to make up for the deficiency the baby already has upon um, birth. That is the most succinct explanation I have ever heard. <laughs> and well, and honestly, it's, it, well, it's interesting because some of the research, they look at mothers who breastfed during um, a time of famine, that they may mm, look at right. the quality of, you know, and so it's funny that you're comparing, you know, women, you know, in um, our country and you know, in other countries where they've had this type of surgery to women in a situation where there's a famine, but really you're looking at the same kind of situation where the mother has insufficient nutrition and is the breast milk still going to be good quality and support good growth for the baby? Yeah, I think, Julie, it's important to a lot of times, uh, and I've had women say this to me, never mind the bariatric crowd, but just women in general have said, oh, no, I can't breastfeed because I don't have a perfect diet and I don't have a balanced diet. And yeah, I don't, that hurt all of those kinds of things. And I basically tell them, look at, you know, if you eat pretty well, it's not all that big of a deal. You've got to be in a fair amount of uh, really poor nutritional status. So I guess I always feel like in one breath, I'm saying it's really important to have good nutrition. And in the other breath, I'm saying, but if you're a little less than ideal, eh, well, you know, it'll all come out. Right. And that's what we, you know, we really want to share with moms that women don't have have to have a perfect diet. And this is a little bit more unusual situation because women can still have successful breastfeeding and still have a healthy baby. But there's some things they need to do and make sure that they're following in order to do the best that they can for that. So yeah, you're right. It's like you don't need necessarily need that perfect <laughs> diet and you still make perfect milk and good quality milk. Yes. Uh, and that's so important for mothers to understand those that are sitting there, uh, you know, munching on something while we're talking. But uh, so Julie, I know that there are several different types of bariatric or weight loss surgery. So 
can you tell us about what the common ones are and well, d- does it make any difference which type of surgery the woman has had when she uh, becomes pregnant or starts lactating? Yes. Well, and it actually does because there's a couple of different types of surgeries and they fall in either one or two categories. So one of the main characters Um, categories is what they call a restrictive surgery is that, you know, maybe somebody might have an issue where they never really feel full and they tend Mm. to really maybe eat more than what their body needs because they just never get that feeling of fullness. So, you know, one of the types of surgeries, which is um, commonly referred to as a lap band, it's actually... mm -hmm. It has actually a band that it's a um, it's surgically placed band that goes around the top of the stomach and it makes a little pouch, a little stomach so that the person actually when they eat, they feel full and they feel satisfied. And so the trick to this surgery actually leading to weight loss is that somebody would still need to follow a healthy diet, but maybe Mm. it would be easier for them because they would feel full. And so they could eat less food because they don't feel like they're starving. So that type of surgery actually doesn't have as much of an impact on pregnancy or lactation because you're not really losing a lot of nutrition. It's it's really still based on the nutrition that you're taking in. So you still need a healthy diet, but right. there's not any process going on where you're losing nutrition. Julie, um, it's my understanding that the lap band is adjustable and mm-hmm. adjustable during pregnancy. Is that true? Yes, and sometimes what they'll do is they'll actually um, completely take all of the saline out of the band so it's not Ah. restricting the opening of the stomach at all. Ah, ah, And then the person during their pregnancy would not have any, it really wouldn't do anything to influence their nutrition or really the amount of nutrition that they can take in because one of the side effects of the band being too tight is that you could vomit. And so, of course, that would not be good in pregnancy if you're vomiting and losing nutrition. Also, the band can, um, it can can irritate the stomach and it could perforate the stomach in extreme situations. So a lot of times they will, you know, really loosen this up so that there's no restriction on the stomach whatsoever during the pregnancy and maybe afterwards too. Julie, I've heard that people can, quote, eat through their lap band. Is that true? Yes. It definitely is. It's all wow. still what you choose. Because gotcha. if you would just drink milkshakes, drinking smoothies, frappuccinos, you could still take in enough liquid calories to even gain weight after the surgery. Oh, so brother. it still comes down to like working with a registered dietitian, getting a good meal plan, really doing what you're supposed to in terms of the diet part. There's, It's not a magical solution. Now, the other type of surgery that is more has a more of an impact on the pregnancy would be something that's considered a malabsorptive surgery. And that's actually one of the most common procedures in the U.S. would be um, the gastric bypass. So right. in a ga- gastric bypass, you actually have the stomach anatomy and the intestine changed so that some of the nutrition you take in cannot be absorbed within the body. So if people would... Uh, um, consume some things that may be really high fat, high sugar foods, they would, would vomit or possibly have diarrhea, have a lot of side effects, but also you don't actually get all of the vitamins and minerals you're taking in. That's why you have to actually use supplements because you just don't, you can't absorb everything the same way after the surgery as you did prior to having the weight loss surgery. 
even if you are taking in what is seemingly a normal amount of food, you're not absorbing it right. Is that what you're saying, Julie? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you okay. all the all the good nutrition would be there, but you can't get it, and your body actually will never digest food the same way as it did before because things have been permanently rearranged because a part of the intestine that you really get a lot of nutrition from is actually completely bypassed. It's not even used. And so you really end up absorbing vitamins in a, and minerals in a place that it, it normally doesn't do as much work as it does after the surgery. Hmm. And Julie, I know that when we come back from break, you're going to want to address more about the the supplements because you've already started to go there. You've already said that even if you have a seemingly good diet or the, the person is choosing healthy foods, that there really may not be enough. So we're going to talk more about the supplements. And I want to remind listeners that, remember, Julie has just said that you don't just start thinking about this when you're breastfeeding. It's really the lead up as well. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I'm here today with my guest, registered dietitian, Julie Stefanski. We will be right back after this short break. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. And today we're talking about breastfeeding after bariatric surgery. And I know that some people will call that bypass surgery or gastric bypass. But Julie just clarified for us that while gastric bypass is one method of bariatric surgery, it's not the only one. So, Julie, you've certainly said that even with good nutrition, the person might be at risk or is, I guess, at risk for not having enough absorption of the nutrients. If you were to talk about nutrients that are especially important, what would they be? One of the most important ones when you think about what women become most deficient in during pregnancy in general would be iron. So, Because of the severe nature of the surgery with gastric bypass, especially, um, the way that they create the new tiny stomach, you know, the new stomach is only the size of a golf ball. So the woman can only consume one ounce of liquid at a time. And you actually can only do that over like every 15 to 20 minutes. So they actually, because of these severe restrictions right after surgery, um, It's not recommended for women to get pregnant after having the gastric sleeve, which is another uh, similar procedure to gastric bypass. They actually recommend with those two procedures that pregnancy is not recommended within 18 months of having that surgery. And the main reason is that rapid weight loss, but also severe iron deficiency, which can occur during the pregnancy, which you, of course, know can have a lot of ramifications on the development of the baby. Absolutely. They really recommend, you know, when you look at that length of time, that really the rapid weight loss of up to 100 pounds can occur during that first year. And the mother simply would not be able to get enough nutrition in order to nourish the baby appropriately during that time while it's developing. So, you know... Of course, um, you know, and I had this in my own practice. Um, I worked with a woman that she was 42 and um, she was several, you know, she was at least 100 pounds overweight at that time. And she had never been able to conceive, you know, prior to, you know, um, you know, this time in her life. She never had to use birth control. She never could conceive. And so she was 42. She had gastric bypass. And so (laughs) then, of course, after that. Guess what? Yeah. She, you know, her, what happens is typically, you know, when your fasting insulin level goes down because you're not, you know, in that pre-diabetic state, she was able to conceive and she wasn't using birth control because she never had to before. Sure. And she, you know, she conceived her daughter within, I think, you know, five months of the surgery and she developed gestational diabetes. And so, you know, one of the things I was trying to help her with is just getting enough nutrition during this time period where she could eat so little. And then also the intolerance that you have after surgery, because typically after a restrictive surgery like gastric bypass, you can have nothing that's high in sugar. So no juices. You can't take the glucose tolerance test. You can't have anything that's straight sugar like that or you get sick. So, you know, it's it's really challenging when a woman's concerned about trying to have a healthy baby, but physically they're struggling to get in all of their nutrition just during the pregnancy. Yeah, I'm going back to that golf ball idea. I'm thinking yeah. uh, since you and I have been talking, I have consumed enough water to fill up that golf ball. <laughs> uh, yeah. What other 
what other nutrients would be be especially concerned about? Oh, you mentioned the iron. Yes. And so the the little stomach, you know, it doesn't make a lot of stomach acid. And then you're not able to get iron, uh, vitamin B12, calcium. You're not able to really take that out of the food that you would need to. So women during pregnancy have to supplement certain nutrients so that they do get enough. So they typically are recommended that women take their, and this is the same for lactation also, that they continue to consume a prenatal vitamin that is a chewable. But on top of that, they have to take additional B12, calcium, vitamin D, and also iron. So they have to really take a combination of about five different nutrients in addition to the prenatal vitamin that has iron in it. So a gummy vitamin's not going to cut it in this circumstance. Got it. Got it. But there, are they taking these orally? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And they typically, a, a woman, it, even with the banding procedure, usually would do best with a liquid vitamin. There's ones that are designed for bariatric surgery. So they uh-huh. would need to take a liquid or a, ver- a chewable that is, you know, can be chewed very, very, very well. Okay. Chewing so, is <laughs> very important in all these procedures. Julie, in your experience, do women really... What's the word I'm looking for? Consistent. Are they fairly consistent with taking their supplements? It seems to me like there's always two crowds of women who are pregnant or lactating. Those that are really concerned and they really do everything by the book. And then there are those who are kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, kind of hit and miss. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if they've had the bariatric surgery, um, is it the same? Well, and I think that unfortunately, people get in a comfort zone that maybe it's been a couple years since they had their surgery, they're feeling yep. fine, yep. and they don't and they don't take their supplements. And it really, you, you know, you can't feel that your bones are becoming deficient in calcium. We can't Good feel point. that. So Good there point. are really effects going on that the mother may not know. And unfortunately, we sometimes, people don't even always realize what a doctor is looking at when they look at blood work or lab work. And they may, they may say, you know, the mother may say, oh, my doctor says I'm fine. My, my nutrient levels are all fine. But in actuality, doctors don't always check the levels that would become low. They rarely check a B12 level or a magnesium mm. level or a zinc level. And you can't really see how deficient you are in calcium by looking at the calcium in your blood. It's always going to stay stable because it's pulling it out of your bones. So mothers get this false sense of the fact that they think they're okay mm. when in mm. actuality they need those supplements. They need to keep taking them. False sense. I like that because you're right. You get out of there, he says, all of this looks good, and you go on your merry way, and yet it's not really like that. But, but Julie, don't you think, I mean, I've worked labor and delivery enough to know that I ask people, uh, what kind of medications are you on? Of course, they tell me nothing, and then I say, how about prenatal vitamins? Oh, and some people will say, oh, yes. Others say, oh, yeah, I forgot, yeah, because they don't really consider that a real medicine, and, and I understand. But then I get these who tell me, well, you know, I was taking my supplements, but yeah, prenatal bites, they make me really nauseous. So right. how about for the woman who has had the bariatric surgery? I'm thinking she's getting the prenatal bites and she's getting all this other uh, supplement. Uh, 
are there real reasons why they just really don't want to do it? You know, I think that people just don't realize the impact that it can have. And so, especially if it's making them nauseous, you know, they really need to work to find an appropriate product and a timing of that that works. So, whether working with a dietitian, working with a nurse practitioner that's knowledgeable about the nutrition components, there are a lot of products out there that people don't always realize they can take and they may feel a lot better or they may need to spread it out or really kind of get used to it with that. And deficiencies happen over time. So mm-hmm. missing a dose once in a while, it's not going to make a big difference. But really having a pattern where you have a habit of not doing it, it's really important to try to find a product that works and doesn't make someone sick and still gives them that good nutrition. Julie, uh, if a person has had bariatric surgery and she becomes pregnant and presumably lactates, would you say that that is an automatic reason to want to find her friendly neighborhood dietitian and work with the dietitian for her. I mean, I wouldn't have the faintest idea what to tell people if they even, like maybe they will agree to taking those supplements, but then there's reasons why they don't. And then I kind of don't know what to say next. Well, and I, I think that's a really good point because, you know, all, nearly everybody that has bariatric surgery in the United States, it's an insurance requirement. They meet with a registered dietitian ahead of time so that they have this knowledge. Um, right. And so, unfortunately, maybe a certain program that doesn't follow those guidelines, the somebody may not realize that this is really important that you work with somebody to make sure that everything is in place. And that's where, you know, going back to the dietitian that originally did the bariatric counseling, that's going to be the most knowledgeable person about the guidelines that somebody would have to follow now that they're, you know, in their pregnancy or, or, you know, deciding to breastfeed that certainly work anybody, you know, anybody can see a registered dietitian. And so it would be great if they could go back and um, connect with somebody that's knowledgeable about those guidelines because not everybody is. Okay. And Julie, also, I, I didn't, I'm feeling a little ignorant here. Can a, can an RD order blood work? I'm thinking not. Um, I think it depends on different states. There are states? Di- okay. yeah, you know, there are dietitians that have their own practice and they work with labs and they are able to do that. So I think that's a you know special circumstance. But typically, okay. like in my circumstance, I just I send a note to the doctor and I say I'd like a B12 level. Can you order vitamin D? And they're usually very happy to follow and and collaborate to really have the best outcome. But I think doctors definitely need to know that okay, this is a special circumstance and this person should be sent back to a registered dietitian to look at the diet, look at the supplements, look at their weight gain pattern, and just make sure that they're really doing everything they can to have a healthy outcome. Now, here's another one for you. I know that uh, people ask sometimes about the hair analysis rather than the uh, blood analysis. Yeah. When, when they look at nutrition in the hair, do you think that's really real or do you think it's just a lot of, of woo-woo? Unfortunately, hair analysis is not considered reputable assessment of nutrition status because hair is um, hair can sometimes contain environmental contaminants that oh. may not be you know that you may have gotten them from an environmental source heavy Got metals it. things like that but also the hair even if you get the hair from the base of the skull it's it's much older than what your current nutrition status is 
Wow. Well, all I can say is I hope everybody's learning something new because I'm learning a lot of new stuff on this. Hey, everybody, do not go away. Uh, I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with registered dietitian Judy Stefanski. When we come back, we're going to talk about some real nitty-gritty where the rubber meets the road issues about those who are post-bariatric surgery and they are breastfeeding and I'm talking about the act of breastfeeding not just lactating. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host today, and my guest is Julie Stefanski as we are talking about breastfeeding post-bariatric surgery. All right, so Julie, help me with this. The woman who has had bariatric surgery has hopefully lost a bunch of weight, and so how does that change the contour of her breasts? And uh, can you talk to us a little bit about those changes and what impact they have on her ability to, to just get her baby latched on? Sure. 
Um, one of the concerns, you know, they find that women that are obese um, have a less likelihood of actually choosing to breastfeed. That's true. You know, yes. whatever, you know, whatever the reason may be with that. So, you know, when you look at just encouraging somebody, you know, people that have had weight loss surgery certainly should try to breastfeed. But then you want to make sure that everything is in place that, um, Things are being monitored and that the baby's growing appropriately. So one of the biggest concerns is that, you know, when somebody you when somebody does have, um, you know, one of the restrictive procedures like the gastric sleeve, you know, during that first year after their surgery, they may lose up to 100 pounds during that time. And when somebody has that rapid weight loss, your skin cannot actually keep up with the changes that are taking place because they're they're not a natural, you know, like they always recommend that two pound per week yeah. uh, weight loss. This is much beyond that. And so what happens is the skin can become very loose in a lot of different areas. And it's very, very common for somebody to have to go back several years after their surgery and pay to have cosmetic surgery to remove excess skin that's hanging in their abdomen, in their thighs, under their arms. When you look at that in terms of breast tissue, um, you know, you can have a significant change in the shape and the um, the elect the elasticity of the breasts and so the breasts can become very um loose skin and the tissues a little bit difficult for the baby to compress in order to get a good latch and so one of the things and this would be really important for a lactation consultant to know about the past surgeries and what type and the weight history so that they can really make sure that there's good milk transfer, that the baby is actually um, compressing the breast tissue enough to get good milk flow. And of course, you know, um, in the clinic that I've worked in, we would often weigh the baby before and after a feeding Mm -hmm. just to kind of get an idea and an average how much milk transfer was taking place because the baby may have difficulty with the distended nipple and this distended tissue in order to really get a good latch on the breast. Yeah, I would agree. And I just want to tell our listeners that what you just quoted about that statistic of uh, women who are overweight or obese are less likely to choose breastfeeding in the first place. I have read that uh, more than once, and apparently you've read that, so I think that we're pretty solid on that. But I've seen that in clinical practice, too. And I've also seen those that have such big breasts and bodies that they they just have difficulty, I don't know, positioning the baby or whatever the word is. They have tr- trouble visualizing the baby sometimes. So I'm kind of thinking that if they've had bariatric surgery, in some instances, they might actually be in a better place than if they had not. Uh, right. It depends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also thinking that when you say go back and get that skin taken care of, I'm guessing that uh, insurance does not pay for that. It's just cosmetic and right, you're out of luck. Right. It typically someone may have to pay thirty thousand dollars to oh, have a word. procedure to, you uh-huh. know. And and that's one of the concerns too, just as in general with um, breast enlargement or breast reduction surgeries and the impact. You know, my understanding is that 
a surgeon that performs those type of surgeries has to be very careful to realign the ducts within the breast so that you have appropriate milk flow. And so that's something really to consider if this woman has had excessive skin removed from the breast, or maybe she had to have a breast enlargement, you know, to bring it, you know, that tissue back into place. And so it's certainly um, important, you know, for women that have had surgery on their breasts, or if a lactation consultant is working with somebody to know whether there is, you know, good milk flow present, because that could be an issue post-surgery because of more cosmetic reasons. Yeah, and I want to get my dibs in here to say that sometimes women are not real eager to tell me their whole history. Mm -hmm. And truth is, I guess I come from the standpoint of if it's done, it's done. You don't care. I don't care. You know, <laughs> you don't care. Like, it's like it, it only hurts somebody. And you know, if they don't share those kind of things, right. you know, we, we as a dietitian, we hear that a lot. Like, I, I didn't lie on my food log. And I'm, you know, I think I don't care if you lied. That doesn't affect me at all. You know, right. at the end of the day, it only affects a person. So, yeah, you're right. You definitely want people to share and, and share those things because it's, you know, we don't, we don't care. You know, I'm going to figure it out sooner or later. So you might just well tell me, you know, makes my job easier. And so, Julie, I I guess I want to go back to what you said about if the baby cannot adequately compress the nipple and areola, uh, that is true. Then the mother is not going to have good milk removal. If you don't have enough milk removal, you don't have enough milk production yada 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 so all of that is absolutely true but let's say that it's actually going pretty well I would still ask every maybe not every but most women that I have dealt with over many many years decades are are always worried about do they have enough milk do they have enough milk do they have enough milk so if they've had bariatric surgery do you think that it can or does affect milk volume or the composition of milk? And those are two absolutely different things. So one of the things that the woman definitely has to make sure is that she is getting adequate calories for milk production. You know, a woman may be hyper-focused on losing weight and not be consuming enough calories. So again, working with a dietitian would help with that. Making sure that she's not losing more than a pound a week, you know, post-surgery, just to make sure that she is still getting in enough calories. They really recommend that a woman that is in that situation, post-bariatric and lactating, that they get at least 1,800 calories a day, which is actually much higher than what they would be consuming if they weren't pregnant or, you know, breastfeeding. So definitely making sure that they're having enough calories for their milk production. That way they're going to have that good milk volume, hopefully. Um, You know, when it, they're, there is some research looking at milk composition and um, the hospital that I used to work at, they were actually doing a study uh, measuring some of these women's um, breast milk um, for the chromaticrit level, the yeah. level of fat. Mm-hmm. The fat. So they were mm-hmm. actually looking at whether there was any difference, you know, because I, of course, would talk about this. And so they were interested in this topic. And so I think we're going to see in the next couple of years more um, research coming out as this becomes more prevalent, just what is the quality of the milk? Um, I would have to add that, you know, again, when you look at, 
um, you know, the calories in the milk, the energy, um, you know, that would just be something that, you know, monitoring the baby's weight would be important in terms of just the, the nutrients in it, the vitamins. Um, this is a situation where that, that mother may want to supplement with vitamin D, you know, from the get go, because that's a nutrient that the baby really gets from pregnancy, not necessarily from the breast milk. And so following the, you know, American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines to supplement with vitamin D after birth would be really important in this situation. And then monitoring for any iron deficiency in the baby, because again, Iron really is reflected more from the stores in pregnancy, not necessarily what's provided by the breast milk. And so those are two neat nutrients of concern that should be just monitored in the baby. What about the B12, Julie? Um, with the B12, you know, it's really going to affect the mother more so than the infant. Um, okay. The infant can have um, some effects of that, um, but you know, when you look at the deficiency of B12 in people that have had surgery of this type, it's pretty high. So mothers that are deficient during pregnancy may have babies that are deficient. And there's some research that was published out of the Netherlands looking at um, intracranial bleeds hemorrhaging in babies born to these mothers. And they found that because of the B12 being low in pregnancy, the baby was born and had, you know, had, you know, intracranial bleed because of the lack of B12. So there can be those side effects that, of course, again, taking the supplements is really important Important. because it, it can affect other areas of health that people don't really know is related to appropriate nutrition. Julie, I don't know if you remember this study. It was published in 2004, and they said that it was possible for the mother to be not having signs or symptoms until after the baby exhibited the signs and symptoms. I don't remember it being in the Netherlands, but I could be wrong. But would this be one of those situations? Have you seen that in clinical practice? Do you think there's any, any substance to that? Because I've not seen that since 2004. Honestly, I think that this is not like, and I talked to a pediatrician once that she actually, you know, is a lactation consultant. And she said, you know, we work with children. We work, don't work with people that have had bariatric surgery. So you have this entire group of clinicians as pediatricians mm, that they don't true. know they don't anything about, about yeah. bariatric <laughs> surgery. So right. I think you probably have a lot of situations where maybe this is happening and a baby's being born early or the baby's in the NICU and none of this may be picked up on because you're dealing with a group of doctors that they don't really know how serious these deficiencies, you know, we're seeing deficiencies in people with bariatric surgery, like that have been not seen by doctors in so long. When you look at thiamine deficiencies and, um, you know, neuropathy from B12 deficiency, they're not able to pick up on these because it's something that you don't typically see this in the general population. It's kind of like not on their radar. Right, right. And so I think that's really important that with the lab work, moms need to know that these levels need to be checked in their blood, you know, just to make sure that they're okay. Because a lot of people don't really, they, they're not monitored. And I even, I had a woman that I came to see her on the maternity floor and she had just had her baby and she was really anemic. And they, they had checked a B12 level like back in four months into the pregnancy. <laughs> and it, yep. it, it, 
it was deficient at that time. Absolutely. It was severely deficient and nobody addressed it. And yeah. so the, the residents, you know, it's just like you're looking at a group of people that they're not, we have so many specialties that yes, the bariatric surgeon may know this, but the person's lost a follow-up and now they're pregnant and they're dealing with a group of doctors that are not up on these different side effects of the surgeries. I I really want to emphasize what Julie just said because I worked on a high-risk antepartum floor and I can tell you that sometimes we've got a specialist for this, a specialist for that, a specialist for the other thing and the woman might be seeing all three of them but sometimes the communication is not, (laughs) you know, it's kind of not there. Not in a, a deliberate way but rather just there's just a lot of balls of the air all at once and sometimes these things I chuckled when you said gets overlooked I'm like oh yeah here we go I know this story and and Julie is totally right on okay everybody do not go away because Julie and I are going to be right back after this short break What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuta with Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. So, Julie, you talked to us about this business of it's okay if you miss a day of your, of your supplement, but pretty much you've got to be on track with it. So, you also mentioned about how doctors are not necessarily thinking about it. It might not be on their radar for either the mother or the baby. So, if I came away from this, I would be thinking, well, hey, Julie, you know, if I've had my bariatric surgery, I don't mind telling my doctor, hey, what about, what about, what about? So, what kinds of tests would you anticipate the doctor should be ordering and if he's not, maybe the mom needs to be speaking up here. Right. Because I, I think most doctors are willing to order the lab work. No, it's just no. something that, yeah, it might not come up. You know, they might not think about that. Um, but certainly I'm really evaluating a mother's um, status in terms of anemia is really a, a big priority. So getting that, um, you know, what they call like a complete blood count, a CBC, CBC, looking at the hemoglobin and hematocrit. And as a part of that, looking at the vitamin B12 and the serum folate levels, the blood levels of folate are really just very basic labs that should be run really every few years. They recommend that this should be evaluated. Um, In addition, um, looking at the vitamin D level And just making sure that the person either has good sources of dietary calcium plus their supplements or, you know, there's been a lot of controversy in the um, in the news, you know, with research in the last year about calcium supplements and uh, calcium supplements have come into a negative light for a lot of people. But Mm -hmm. again, it's like. The, you know, these people need to take the calcium because they're not getting enough from the diet or from, you know, what they're, they can absorb. So it's not really a supplement. You know, it's, it's replacing what's not being absorbed by the body. And so people get mixed messages. When you just look at headlines, you really shouldn't Google about nutrition if you have a medical condition yep. <laughs> like this. You need to see a, somebody that can make sense of it and kind of put the pieces together. Um, you know, so certainly seeing a dietitian to help with that will put together the those different components that they need to know. Um, additionally, you know, one of the other nutrients we didn't really talk about that also is very difficult to absorb from food is zinc. And oh, zinc yeah. really can have an impact on someone's immune system. So with zinc, you know, if someone's not getting enough, you know, they may um, get colds easily, you know, they're you know, it can affect your skin. There's a lot of different things with zinc. And so a doctor can order a zinc level, um, you know, especially if someone, a lot of times people that have had weight loss surgery don't tolerate meat very well. It, mm-hmm. it may make them nauseous. They may, even with the lap band, they may vomit the meat. And so oh. you often see in like a woman's diet, just really poor sources of protein because they get sick when they have those, you know, meats and iron rich chicken or fish or things like that. So it's really important to have somebody look at the diet and just say, okay, yeah, you have these really good sources of iron, of zinc, of protein. Um, or, you know, you're really, you know, just eating snack food and you need to like start eating some actually, you know, some really good um, nutritious food. 
And if my memory serves me correctly, I believe that zinc is is paramount for the baby's brain and yeah. his eye development. Mm-hmm. So Lots this is things. not something you want to be blowing off. So right. Julie, have you? Can you tell us maybe about a situation where you've seen where the mother did not take her supplements on a regular basis, and a good outcome was not had by all? Can you outline well, and- something for us? And, you know, I'd have to say that, um, you know, I haven't always worked with um, women that have um, been in this situation, um, you know, breastfeeding. Um, I worked with different populations. Um, So I haven't had anybody where there was a negative outcome. I've really tried to work with the moms to really have a good outcome. You know, I bet I bet you there are people out there that haven't worked with a dietitian that had more of a bad outcome. Yeah, that's probably more likely. (laughs) I'm asking the wrong person. Yeah. Well, but I have had, um, you know, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of situations where um, people that have had the gastric bypass didn't take their supplements. And, you know, I had a gentleman that he he had no idea about the supplements he was supposed to take. Oh, and he said, nobody told me this. And he fell and fractured his elbow pretty significantly in several places. And when they tested his vitamin D level, it you know, a good vitamin D should be above 40. And this man's was eight. Whoa. And when you when you look at that, you know, you have a vitamin D affects autoimmune, it affects cancer risk, it affects bone health. And he was having, he got to the point he had a fracture because his bones were so soft from not having enough vitamin D and calcium that they were just like the bones of a, you know, somebody 50 years older than what he was. So, wow. you know, really that develops over time. And he was also severely anemic to the point that he had to have transfusions because his iron level, and he was like sometimes almost passing out. His oxygen, you know, his iron level, his red blood cell count, everything was that low. And it was just because he didn't take his supplements. Wow, so, and I you know, want to remind everybody that Julie just said, remember, this: the baby gets his stores early in the game. Yeah. You know, so I, I think there's a lot of situations like that. And when you think about just during pregnancy, there's so much to look at and so many issues in lactation. You know, somebody may not make this connection. So it's good, you know, certainly if, if women eat well, they take their supplements, they can produce sufficient milk and they can have a healthy baby. But there are certain things you have to make sure you have lined up so that that, sure, you know, sure. does happen. Julie, we've only got about a minute left, less than a minute, really. Uh, Can you tell us what are some red flags, maybe, that the mother should say, oh, ding, 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 I need to call the doctor, the dietitian, somebody. Can you think of a few things that would really jump to your mind? Well, I think certainly a baby that is not happy, you know, a baby that doesn't really have a good suck, they're not they're not, they don't seem satisfied. They're not yes. gaining weight. You know, all of those would be signs that really the baby's not getting enough milk. And certainly, you know, calling the lactation consultant and getting an appointment, um, you know, would, would be the first thing to do. But, you know, I think that those are signs in any baby that's not getting, you know, a good milk transfer. Those would be your first signs that something's up. The longer things are definitely more that a woman has to speak up and make sure she tells people that she's had these procedures so that yes. they, they do their homework and they know what to look for. Because some of these things are, they're not going to stick out. They need to be, you know, you need to do a little detective work to really sure, figure it out. sure. And let me be eager to say that all of these things are, it's 
maybe not all, but almost all of these things are absolutely fixable. So you shouldn't just say, oh dear, woe is me, I'm in this bad situation, but rather ask for help because uh, help is there. Wow, this has been really enlightening. I've really enjoyed this hour. I hope that everyone listening has. Julie Stefanski, thank you so much for coming on the show. Sure, thanks for having me. All righty. Well, for those of you who uh, have joined us today, I'd like to remind you that either Julie or I can take questions. You should mail those to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. That's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I probably can't answer any of them from today, but I will pass them on to Julie. Now, if you're interested in books or other media that was mentioned uh, on previous shows, take a look at our Amazon store. It is at borntobebreastfed.org. That's borntobebreastfed.org. Be sure you check out our Facebook page. We'll tell you a little bit about the show, a little bit about Julie. Feel free to leave a question there if you wish. And by the way, remember to like us while you're there. Now, if you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, I'm your source for evidence-based practice on the web or sometimes in your city. If you have questions, feel free to call me about lactation at 703-787-9894. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.